Marcelo. We have Bruce live in the locker room in Tallahassee celebrating on the field with the floor <laughs> And, and I don't know why, but like we were able to run the ball so well in the first half, to, especially to the left side, and then all of a sudden we started to abandon it. And like I said, it, there is some inconsistency. How are they going to approach this game? How are they going to beat this Florida State team? Well, we're going to break you guys. Um, and, and okay, I, that's it. The show is over. In, 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 in the story, we're going to break you guys. Look, and, and I, I'm joking, but it's Lord, the climb, the climb continues, KD. Oh my okay. God! I am sweating. I am... Look, look at my heart. Look, uh, look, uh, look, uh, look, look, look. You know what? Yeah, I, I have so much to say. All right, welcome back to another episode of Sentinel Sideline 365. As always, I'm KB, and with me is the old man. We hope you all are having a great start to your week. And yeah, we just the college football rankings just came out, so we have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to go over that and the latest news there. We'll be giving our recap on the Pittsburgh game from this past Saturday and the win there. Uh, they weren't big win on the road and the implications of that game. And then we'll wrap things up with some latest news and tips. Uh, old man, how's it going? It's very loud on your end with you moving papers and your taxes and everything. But how's it going on your end? Really loud? All right, I'll keep it down. I'm on the road again. I'm away from the home studio, so I got to make this work. Hello to Jalen, number one. Jalen, number one in the hearts, number one in the channel. We welcome you. And we welcome all our viewers. We hope you come in here, drop your comments. You know, we we love disagreement. We love disagreement. And, uh, you know, we're glad you're here. I'm doing good. I'm back in the home state of Florida because on Saturday, I'll be going to the Miami game, brother. I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch the Kings get knocked down. But that's for another show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the big news of the night and we'll start with uh, is the college football ranking just came out at seven o'clock, probably seven fifteen ish. So so we'll get right into that uh, and then we'll go into Pittsburgh. So I think there was a little bit of surprise. It, it, the narrative of the last two, couple of weeks is interesting. Uh, most of the insiders and, and big sites thought in the first rankings when they came out uh, October 31st was that Florida State would be maybe two or three, uh, maybe even one. Uh, and then it was surprising when Florida State was number four. Go into this last week uh, and how the Pittsburgh game and Florida State won 24 to seven uh, in that game. And it was closer. You know, you don't beat the spread. You're down some players. The box score doesn't necessarily when you look at the score. It doesn't look super dominating unless you watch the game. And you're unsure how the playoff committee is going to rank that, especially when Washington, they go and they get a big ranked win uh, on their schedule and, and going in and winning that big game for them uh, against USC, I believe it was. Uh, and you're you're unclear. You, you think Washington may jump you uh, potentially as they're an undefeated team with a big ranked win over the weekend. And I think many people on Twitter were trending that direction, that they may jump Florida State. Florida State may be on the outside looking in uh, in the latest rankings here. But as you can see on the screen, Florida State is sticking at number four. The top four stay the same. Uh, all four uh, solidified 
people thought also Georgia may jump Ohio State as they got another uh, ranked win under their belt uh, this past weekend as well. And a big win for them on their schedule as uh, they also are going to the heart uh, of their schedule as they play Ole Miss this weekend too. Um, so, yeah, nothing changes. Florida State stays where they are. They're, they're on the inside. Uh, on the playoff track, they continue need to they need to continue to win and to win big uh, is our saying here, as, as we've said all along. And once again, you have a big rivalry game this weekend that we'll talk about later in the week. Um, but I'll go to you, old man. Does anything in the top four surprise you? Uh, looking at the rankings uh, here on the screen, were you surprised to see Florida State still in the top four coming off this weekend uh, and uh, and seeing what Washington did this weekend? Um, anything surprised you here? Uh, no, not on Florida State. I thought Florida State be number four because they're still winning, okay? But as I've said uh, on past shows, I think winning winning may not be enough for Florida State based on brand values. Now, obviously, we have one of the top brand values in the country, so all uh, my naysayers can say, what are you talking about, brand? We got a good brand, but there's a lot of brands out there. There's a lot of brands breathing down our neck. Washington is a good brand. Oregon is a good brand. Texas is a good brand. Obviously, Washington's the only undefeated of those brands left. So what you see on the board here, except James Madison, who for some reason the NCAA uh, penalizes because they've transitioned, uh, you know, to the big boy conference, and we don't need to get into that. But – I'm a little concerned that we are slipping down down the slope a little bit. And the Pittsburgh game, which we'll talk about a little bit later, gave me some of those concerns. And I think some of the skeptics are looking for any reason to drop Florida State to five or six, even if they are undefeated, possibly down to five. Uh, in this case, Washington, I think for some reason, uh, they've, got, they, they've got a lot of momentum going. So Florida State cannot afford a slip, and a slip could be a narrow escape from the remaining teams who aren't that highly rated, okay? They're not in the top 25 that I'm aware of, any of the teams we're going to play. Not true? No, no mine's not. Florida's not. North. Okay, okay. So, and Northern Alabama's not going to help, okay? So Northern Alabama, the cream puff before Florida on Thanksgiving weekend, we've got to really blow them out. I mean, we've got to get 50 points, 50 to 7. You, you, you can't play around with something like this. Ohio State going down one surprised me a little bit until I really looked at their schedule and the results that they're getting on their schedule and how they're beating teams. So I think number one and number two are pretty close. I think it's a good choice to put Ohio State at number one. And you have to remember, they only lost by a point to Georgia Tech. I mean, to Georgia in the championship game last year, right? Okay, but I, I don't think you should be reflecting. Last year's results should reflect. No, 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 but that carries over. That no, does carry. It, it does not carry. It over. does in a brand and what's going on. That, so, no, I think yeah, if that's but, playing into the selection, then things are all effed up. But, but some people <laughs> are thinking, well, some people yeah. are thinking that no, Georgia, no. if they just kept winning this year, they should be number one because they're the, they're well, the they, champion. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't. Uh, that shouldn't carry. That shouldn't carry over either. KB, that you could just win and get by, and because you're the champion, you're number one. So I, I, Michigan's probably where they should be at number three. Their schedule, uh, they're going to play Ohio State. So that that's gonna that's gonna knock somebody out. So that's really that's really a godsend game for Florida State. 
uh, at this point. So I think all said and done, I think it's probably about where it should be. Yeah, I think like I, like you're kind of saying, I, I, I thought Florida State may flip into that five spot based on that shootout with USC and Washington. But I think that too is a good sign for Florida State that they didn't slip because it shows that maybe the committee is looking at some of these games. And that in that Washington game, it was with a, a, a USC team that's on the slide. It's a USC team that's devoid of defense of any kind, a team that is is not a top 25 team at this point in USC or shouldn't be a top 25 team just because they are devoid of any type of – they just fired the defensive coordinator after that game. Um, and it's purely on the, on the shoulders of Caleb. And should have, and rightfully so. And, and, and Washington didn't show up and have – you know, they barely contained USC uh, to the tune of 42 points on, on USC's part. Um, so I think they showed they showed that, yeah, US, uh, Washington, you won the game, but you barely were able to contain Caleb Williams in that. Um, and so Florida State went out. They did their job. They held Pittsburgh to seven points on uh, on the road. Uh, and Florida State was missing over 1,000 yards production on the offensive end and still up 500 yards. So I, I think there was some respect there and say, we're not going to change these up. We're not going to flip things up. Florida State did their job. They should stay where they are, and, and the same with the other teams on, on in the top four. So I think for Florida State fans, it should be seen as a positive assignment. There was no flip-flopping. It shows that you you do have some respect in terms of you go out and you do your job and you do it the right way, you will be in the championship game. You you as, Like you said, if you go out and you dominate Miami this weekend, even though Washington has Utah on their schedule this weekend, they play a number 18 team again. If they go out and beat Utah and you go out and beat Miami, you should stay. You should expect to stay where you are as long as you go out and dominate Miami. They go out and play Oregon State the next weekend. If you go out and beat North Alabama, you dominate them 50-7, to you should stay where you are because you have earned that respect at this point that you go out and dominate, you should stay where you are. So I think we should be very happy with the decision this week because it shows that somewhere on that committee, they respect what Florida State has done and what they are doing. And they did not flip-flop the team. So I think that's a positive sign because, to your point, Florida State will not play another ranked team until the ACC championship. Right now, Louisville is number 12, and they would play them, I believe, on December December 12th in the selection committee. The final selection committee meeting is on the 13th. It, and it's after when, it's after all the championship games are over. It's the, and, and the ACC championship's the day before the last day they select. That's Sunday. So, yeah. Um, so I don't know how that comes into play. Obviously, it comes into some play, but – you won't get to face that next ranked team if it's Louisville and they went out until, you know, that final Saturday, of course. Yeah. So, I, I, I think, I think what you said is correct. Uh, the North Alabama game, they have to take care of business there. They have to run into the fifties, you know, 50 points maybe, or if it's a mercy rule, they just take it easy on them in the fourth quarter and they're just running the ball and, you know, we don't get a lot of points, but they, they got to score in the forties or fifties, maybe sixties, but not not to bludgeon somebody so it looks looks heartless that 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 can be a problem but uh, as long as they win and they win decently because everybody has a North Alabama on the team other teams in the top four they had them early in the season where we had LSU okay so it, it's not really bad for us in that regard the the ACC championship game you can buy you can get by by Winning by seven to ten points, you don't have to blow anybody out as long as you win the damn game, win the ACC championship, you're in good shape. They must take care of business, though, uh, uh, against Miami in Tallahassee, and they must take care of business at, uh, against a Florida team 
that is going to be an angry team. They're not a great team, but they're going to be an angry team, and they have athletes. So they must take care of that in the swamp. What's also helping Florida State is the fact that the game that, you know, the committee was running about, oh, they, they barely scraped by against BC on the road. Well, BC is now a 6-3 and three team, right? BC has found their quarterback who gave Florida State a little uh, some issues. You know, and, and Florida State throughout most of that game was, you know, was fairly ahead in the third quarter and it got close towards the end. But it's, it's actually telling that BC is now, you know, having one of the best seasons they've had in a while. And that game is looking more and more like a quality win on their schedule versus where BC was. Well, yeah, obviously any team on our schedule, we need to keep winning. We hope every team on our schedule wins out, you know, that they're beating quality opponents and that they win out because in the long run, it's going to help Florida State. But it's never comfortable, KB, to be sitting on that number four spot. Never comfortable. You have no room for error, slippage, and there's always number five and six hanging around to take your place. Yep. So so Florida State, I believe, and I really believe now, shout out B. Riley, uh, I really believe now that this team is focused on one game at a time, stay focused, take care of business, and go out there and do what you're supposed to do. And they were able to do it against Pitt this weekend with a lot of weapons on the sideline. Yeah, and we could talk, we could debate the top four all day long. But like I said, it's unchanged. Everyone did their job this weekend. Everyone won their game. So it, it should and I'm glad to see it didn't change. Cause like I said, Florida State did their job. And let and let's go in and talk about the game. Cause I'm I'm glad to see, like I said, this should be a positive sign for Florida State fans that Florida State did not move because they did their job. They went out, they dominated, and they did the job. So let, let's get them right into the uh to the Pittsburgh game because like I said, we're at number four. We don't have to worry this week. We're going to talk about the Miami game on Thursday, so I don't want to get too into that. But I want to talk about what we saw on uh, this weekend in Pittsburgh because, you know, I think you know we we've learned now that the Florida State death chart that they released on what Mondays Mondays doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's right? a joke. It's, I mean, it's, you know, when Ward Chan then you know they put on social media and they're like, "Here's the official you know yeah, death chart." It doesn't I mean know. anything. And like I said, we probably should have known that ahead of time that these things are just. What the media team gives to War Channel, all these sites, and says, "Here, push pushes out there," but at this point, it doesn't mean anything, right? Well, you know, uh, you know what? Let me let me interrupt it because you kicked off with this, and I think it's a good point. Is it's almost like it's almost like Florida says Florida State says, "Well, we we have to push out a depth chart." They don't tell us what, what I don't know if it's a requirement, but why not just push it out on Mondays? You know, push it out on Monday instead of pushing it out on Thursday or Friday when it looks like if somebody doesn't play, then they should have shown up on the depth chart. Well, it's kind of it's almost like a strategy. And like you said, these things, a lot of them are given to War Chant. War Chant and the FSU Media Center are in big hugs and big kisses. And they also know that there is a censorship on any medical issues during the week. So that censorship carries forward. And even Warchant, who has the greatest inside access of anybody uh, on, on media, they, they either want keep their mouths shut or number two, didn't even know that, uh, uh, that uh, Keon Coleman was not going to play. So they can say they knew it, but I have some problems. If you're in media and you know something and you should push it out there. But that's not how they play, and, uh, you know, that's well, up to them. 
I mean, this was definitely gamesmanship on Norvell's side, and I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not against him for doing it, right? No. Whether or not, whether or not this was withheld information from WarChan or WarChan sat on it because they didn't want to give that advantage away, like you said, to not, you know, get out of the loop. This was definitely gamesmanship because what Norvell said today, I believe it was, is that Keon Coleman was hurt actually last weekend in, in the game last week, and that he occurred in a, a injury occurred last, you know, during before Pittsburgh's game the week before he got injured, and that this kind of lingered, and then they held him out. Um, you know, same with Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson's been out the last couple of weeks. They held him out, but the Keon Coleman, you know, we only heard about it once he was not warming up essentially on right. the sidelines right. in Pittsburgh, at, you know, during the game at three thirty. So. This is definitely game because they didn't want to tell Pittsburgh, hey, we're going to be down a thousand yards right. in production. Right. And we're going to be down Hakeem Williams again. And we're going to be down Deuce Span as well, which is also a surprise. We're not going to be down our kick returner. You know, we're going to be down two kick returners. We're going to be down our two primary receivers and basically tell them, okay, well, you can just, uh, you can basically press us uh, on the edges and, you know, stack the middle of the field and force us to run, you know. It would definitely change the game plan a lot. Well, I, mean, it look, the game. I want to ask you this, though, and I don't want to drag this out because this could be another show sometime. And that is what is the responsibility of media? Now, I and mean, we're and we're picking war chant here because I think they have the closest access to the FSU media. OK, that's my guess. OK, and all I'm saying is any media, whether it's us or any of the FSU people that cover uh, Florida State sports. If you know what's going on, do you have a responsibility to one your subscribers? We don't have subscribers, but War Chant does. Other channels have subscribers. They have message boards. It, do they have a responsibility to put these types of things out there, or do they follow the FSU media? Uh, I'm sorry, media policy and Florida State football policy. No news about injuries you know what i mean it's kind of that gray line because if you're do you break news is that your responsibility or not like you said do they have a fiduciary or and i don't know if i would call it fiduciary but do they have a journalistic responsibility to their paying if they're journalists right. that they charge a monthly or annual basis for insider tips on what's going on with florida state sports I would say if they are withholding information from their subscribers, I would say, yeah, that's kind of wrong because for any you know, media site, any no, no, media not site. for any media site. If I run a free blog and I come along information, I can withhold that because I'm not charging you to get insider nuggets and stuff like that. But if I'm charging you to get the best player state in from inside information possible, and I'm basically giving you just information that's being regurgitated on every other site that's public, then what am I? What value am I giving? But if I'm charging you $100 a year or $10 a month, right. or $12 a month, and I'm just sitting on information just because I don't want to piss off people or piss off Florida State, then what value am I bringing my subscribers? I, you know, you could have this debate all day, but yeah, I think it's I think it's time for that some other time. But I think it's interesting, like you say, the strategy of not wanting to give up who's injured. I fully get that. From a, uh, uh, yeah, from a from a planning it. standpoint, but from a media standpoint, I think it's a different type of issue. If if you're a coach and you want to cover that up as best you can, as best you can, then that's your responsibility. I get that. But the media's job is to generate news and news stories. If if a school, for this case, Florida State, has a policy that says, well, if you give out any medical stuff 
then we're not going to allow you access. You know, I'm surprised that all the media people cover Florida State wouldn't get together and say, you know what? Well, then we're out. We're out. I, I, You're well, not going to get any cover. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, okay. That's their job. I mean, they're not going to make any money if they do that. Well, you know what? If you agree to everything that the, the place you're covering wants you to do, you may not, you know, what are you doing? You're just falling under their power and authority. So, yeah. Oh, and that's why you have a lot of these, a lot of these subsites that have insiders, whether it's an assistant on the team or it's or, a or made up or made but, up sources. Oh, or which sometimes happens. it's made up, but there is a lot of these Discord channels that will charge right. members five or ten dollars a month and they'll right. have a inside guy when it's a play it could be a player on the team. I would love to know. On. I would love to know was there any site out there that had Keon Coleman not playing until that game until that game started. That that would be interesting because I, I haven't know. seen anything on I'm sure that. Somebody had to know, but yeah, you're right. It would be interesting to see like what site knew that this because, guy was going to be out because that that is big news. That is a game plan chan- uh, changing yeah. news because if you knew because we've seen them play without Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman was able to carry some slack, a lot of slack on that game. But you, we haven't seen we haven't seen this team with both the playmakers out because that is a huge, especially too with Hakeem out as well and do span out. Like you lost a lot of production, and we we I was I was kind of scared going out on the road and then seeing two of our top playmakers are out along with a great kick returner, and it was scary, especially in the beginning of the game when you saw that you know. We couldn't pick up the punts. The first three punts, Chikai wouldn't pick them up, it looked like. I don't blame him, and I don't blame him. If he he hasn't been back there, I don't blame him. But it changes the game drastically when you're missing so many people who are getting starting reps. And KB, not only does it change the game, what does it change? All these guys betting. What if they took Florida State in the and they, you know, they took Florida State in this, even though that what was it, 21 and a half points? We didn't cover the spread. They lost, but they didn't know that some of these guys weren't going to be in the game. So I'm not saying, but the NFL, they have to disclose. They give people in different categories. You know, I could see that coming to college ball because we're going down that NFL road, so to speak. Um, so yeah, so let's get more into the game. So we get past the injuries. We get past. We learned that you know we learned that multiple guys are going to be out. Uh, you know, H- or Hakeem and, and Keon and Johnny. And kick I'm, off. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised. Okay, what are we going to do now? I'm not trying to think. Who's the guy that's going to step up here? Is it is it going to be like Gary Williamson? Is it going to be you know Kentron? Who was injured Kentron? too? Who was injured? Yeah, too? I, I, I thought it was going to be Kentron. Um, you know, I was hoping he would step up. I, I keep forgetting that Jakai I honestly forgot that Kendrick, you know, that Jakai was back because he had been featured a little bit in the last few games coming off that injury. But you know, he's the guy that's been around the program for so long, you sometimes forget about him and, and the contributions he's able to make. And it was so I mean, I was so happy for that guy. You could tell if you watch the you know cinematic recap and stuff like that, that guy is just a good dude. And he is someone that is just all in on this team. It was great to see him step up when his number was called and make big plays for this team. Uh, you know, he breaks out on the game, whether he have over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, six or 115 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but he was he stepped up when they needed him the most. One of the plays here I'll show uh, was it just – and credit to Jordan. What? He had, three, he had his highest yardage passing uh, game of the season, 360 yards, uh, uh, one touchdown on 22 of 36. He made the most of what was available to him. Give credit where credit's due. You know, at points in this game, I thought 
for you know, I thought things were moving slowly, but when you look at the numbers, they weren't moving slowly. They, you know, they accumulated 500 yards of offense, and you're missing your top two guys that accounted for you know a thousand yards in the season uh, into your in terms of receiving. Jordan Travis made what made what was available to him, made the most of what was available to him. And you see him make plays like this, this play right here. Let me show the uh, pull up the video. While here. you're setting that up, yeah. let me say this about Jakai. You know, hats off. The, yeah. He is the theme of this show tonight. A king, Jakai Douglas, who I believe has some of the better hands on this football team for his size. He is a perfect type slot guy. Now, some news that did come out, I don't know if it came out, I think came out after the game, that they went to Ja'Kai Douglas early in the practice week and said, listen, we may be down a couple of receivers here, and you may, how do you feel about going on the outside and playing outside, not in the slot? And he's a team guy. He said, I'll do whatever the hell you need me to do. This guy could play running back. This guy can play the slot. This guy can play outside receiver, even though he doesn't have the height. He's got some sweet hands, and he deserved, and he got to do is break that rock after the game. Break look at that. This play. Yeah. Mean, look at this delivery and look at this. Look at this hands. That's, that's a tough catch. Anybody who hasn't run down the field full speed and have to eyeball – Get your eyes on that ball and bring it in. Sweet pass, sweet catch. Hats off to Ja'Kai Douglas. He is the superstar of this game against Pitt. Yeah, he 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 made the most of his opportunity, like you said. They used him in multiple different ways, and it was great to see. He uh he altogether. I'm trying to uh get a snap count up. Well, yeah. Why are you doing that? Let me let me say this. The game started a little slow for me. I mean, we didn't score in the first quarter. And, and I started to see that what Pat Narduzzi, the coach, he called his team out after that loss to Notre Dame. He called them out. And and they did, he didn't know how the team was going to react. Well, they came in, and they came in pretty good, fired up. They never had a good offense. That's standard. But their defense showed up, and their defense was getting off the field in the first quarter. Yeah. It was it was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter. I had I had a little bit of concern about how much score. I knew we would win the game, but I didn't know by what amount, and that concerns me with this committee. But the second quarter, we get 10 points on the board. They get a touchdown. They scored first. Yeah. They were up 7 to nothing yeah. in the second quarter. And I said, oh, and I know you and I were tweeting back and forth, and we were like, God, what's what, what, what are we looking at? And you were pretty quiet. You were pretty quiet there. So I knew you had concerns. Yeah. But at the end of the first half, it's 10 to 7, Florida State. You got a ball game. And Pittsburgh literally has no offense. No, that, that, that was the biggest thing. That's the thing that I was worried at first, like you said, because the offense took a little while to get going. And, it's, and we've seen that in some of the games this season. But it was obvious that it, it was adjusting to the playmakers being out, the main playmakers being out, and, and Jordan just figuring out, okay, Guys had to get, you know, there's some rust with these guys who hadn't played a while and hadn't started in a while, right? Um, and, and there were some worries there. And once, you know, they score first, but then the defense locked in like they normally do. And Chase basically shut down this offense of Pittsburgh. That, and, and then once I saw that, I was like, this this Pittsburgh offense is going to score again. Um, and, and then you saw Ja'Kai get in the rhythm. They started to use the tight ends. That's what I loved. I, I've loved to see over the past couple of weeks is, 
Jordan really embracing these tight ends and, and the usage of them, especially Kyle Morlock. That's the one thing. I don't know if it's for you guys at all, but Kyle Morlock is getting the ball more and more on plays like this. You know, over the middle, over the middle like this, and he, the dude gets open. And he's got great, and he's breaking tackle. I think this one was for thirty or sixty yards. I'm sorry, I thought he was going to break this one to the house, but this guy's got great hands, gets open, and I don't know if they do it enough, but they exploring that middle of the field more often with him is great to see. He actually had double the amount of snaps on the field than Jaheim Bell. I don't know why that is. I don't know if Jaheim's a little bit banged up or not. But when I saw the snap count that Jaheim or that Kyle had almost double the amount of snaps than Jaheim did. Actually, Mark Easton also had more than double the amount of snaps or had more snaps total than Jaheim did. I was a little surprised when I saw that. I think Jaheim's was 31. Uh, Douglas's was 36. And then Morlock had 61 total snaps. I was a little surprised at that number, but it makes sense. Morlock, Morlock has great hands. He had over, what, 60, 70 yards on the day, uh, or I think 80 total. And, and he looks like this he guy. Had 80 yards. A, he had 80 he's yards at 63. Great, on he's going to be play. a great piece next year for this offense. Like oh, yeah. he's, he's still developing, you can tell. But I was a little surprised to see uh, Bell not get more snaps, but he was still productive as well. He had like four or five catches for 25 yards. Um, but I love them using more of the tight end, especially in the middle of the field there. Uh, I, I totally I totally agree with you, KB. It's been refreshing this season with these types of tools available to an experienced quarterback that he can kind of get back there and, and generally has pretty good time to pick out one of these tools. And the tight ends have really stepped up. That room, that room makes a defense really have to think a lot because Morlock especially – Morlock will be coming back next season. There's no way he goes to the NFL. He, with the development of another year, is going should be unbelievable. He's got the size, and what's beautiful, his hands are so soft. The, he just The ball floats into him, and this guy, when he runs, he runs north and south. He runs north and south. He's not going to try to jitterbug anybody. He's going straight ahead, and you better be big enough to bring him down. I love this guy. I love what he does. I agree, Mike, too. Uh, Marquison, Biscuit, that guy always makes plays. Whether it's he's running with the ball, whether it's like the guy's got soft hands, he's a big right. body. They use him on the trick play on the line, which is amazing. ESPN didn't catch it because they were always running an ad. Or oh, I know. Running time. another replay yeah. of some stupid but, play. But Marquison, he's just a dude. That guy makes plays. He is a dude. He, he, he's an all-in guy. He does whatever is. And he catches he the ball well. He he's catches got, yeah. the ball well. Big. He's got great hands, and, and he's just an all-in He'll be player. back next year, too. So that should put us in really good position with the tight ends and uh, some other people joining him, obviously. Yeah, Jaheim, Jaheim had five catches, total of 23 yards. I mean, he, he's not – really have he hasn't developed into the weapon uh that we thought he might but he puts the fear out there into the defense that he is available i'm wondering to tell you the truth is he does he have another year of eligibility after this year i believe he's like he's a junior so i believe he, he does he does have technically another year. i could potentially see him come back He'll have to make the decision. You're right. He'll he'll I he does. I, I think he has potential. He's he has he's made big plays. They just he haven't just had a big year. 
he does, yeah, he, I mean, he's on track, but his, he's had, he has more yards this year than he had last year. He only had 231. He's on track for, he has 365 yeah. this year already. His yeah. biggest year at South Carolina was almost 500 yards on 30 receptions yeah. on yeah. five touchdowns. But I do think that, I think he could, you know, definitely develop one more year here. Him and, and, and uh, Morlock would definitely be, be well together. I don't, he may feel like I'm better off taking a chance on, you know, if someone sees the potential in me, I put because he's definitely put some things on tape that show his potential. He may think this is too crowded of a room for me to actually shine. They, I mean, they're using what two weeks ago they used seven tight ends at one point, right? So it right. may be like too crowded for any one guy to stand out of if that's what he wants to do. Well, so, I, it, not only that, KB, these guys also have to now consider uh career ending injuries. Exactly. Okay. Yep. They, you know, they're also going to get advice from the NFL and that's all legal. Uh, you know, that they, they'll, they can advise them where they think they would fall in terms of a draft, but yeah, he's going to have a really, really tough decision. And I understand why it's a tough okay. decision. He'll have to either, like you said, bet on himself to say, right. I'm going to take a chance that some team right. sees the potential in me and, I'll be a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick and develop whatever, or I'll come back and once again bet on myself, bet on myself and say or risk it and and you know if Nordell does come back, I, I can get you a better position. Come back and do it again. So um, yeah. we've seen players do that. We saw Jared Burst come back and, and bet on himself that way. We've seen you know we've right. seen great players do that. So like right. I said, they'll have a they'll have a decision. Anyway, so but. so let's let's talk about the uh, Wilson out and Keon out. Uh, 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 you know what? We're not going to know their status until Saturday at 3.30. Now, supposedly, Wilson was seen in practice today. Uh, you know, I was reading around on the Internet, and, uh, you know, he was out doing some work. Keon, I, I, don't, I didn't read anything on him. I don't know what the situation is, but Florida State doesn't put anything out, and, and there's no insiders putting anything out, if that makes any sense. So I don't know what their status is. I'm sure they're going to have it. I'm sure they're going to leave it cloudy for Miami to have to play set up against them. Uh, but I'm believing that both will be available on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. It looks the same. However, however, let me say this. If there is any major risk to more serious injury to one of these guys, they will not play because then you're dealing with their future. You're not dealing with one game. I don't care if it's Miami or anyone else. You're dealing with their futures. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't think they would do that. But I, I think I think Johnny Wilson this past weekend was a precautionary. Like let's let's rest a bit. I don't think we have to risk him. Um, and I think Keon was probably the same thing. Like this isn't the ACC championship. They probably, it looked like Keon wanted to go. Uh, if you just watched him on the sideline, he was very engaged with what was going on. I, I think it was like, let's sit you guys out. We have a deep bench for a reason. Let's play with these guys and let's go. Right. And Jordan Travis proved that right with 500 yards, 383 of passing and a career. And pass. I think that was the right decision. Yes. But I, this weekend, right. I think you're playing a much better defense in Miami than Pittsburgh. You know, you're not playing a two and six team, you're playing a pretty right. good defensive line. They got some guys on the. Uh, they got some field. dudes. They yeah, got some yeah. dudes. This isn't this isn't Pittsburgh. So I think right. if guys are ready to play, it's time to bring them back and, and go full force again. This, you know, you take the take the foot off the brake and, and let's go. It's time yeah. to go again. I was a little, start, and it's time to start gearing back up 
for Florida and for Louisville. Like it, it's well, time to get back in the zone again. Let's not make any mistake about it. This was not a good Pittsburgh team. They put up a valiant defensive effort, okay? They put up a, a, a hypnotic, so Keon was at practice, okay? I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was full force or just there. You know, we don't know, but uh, we appreciate the remark, hypnotic. Uh, this is th – these – the next two out of three teams, Miami and Florida, are dangerous teams. Now – we can let the fan bases play all the games on Twitter. I review Twitter a lot. I'm on Twitter. But I never discredit any opponent. I don't like Miami. I hate Miami. I don't like sitting near their fans. I don't like walking near their fans. I don't like anything about their fans. The only thing I like about their fans is if they start to leave at the end of the third quarter. Then I know the game is a blowout, and it's so great to – to say goodbye to them and wave at them, okay? What I don't want is us not to respect an opponent that is an in-state, long-term history rival, Miami or Florida. These teams are dangerous. They're like they're like this this type of year, this type of year they're having, they're like that bear caught in that bear trap. And, and they, they're angry and they do want to beat somebody. And who would be better to beat than the number four team in the country and ruin their dreams of possibly going to a playoff? Yeah. That is the Super Bowl for these next three teams before the ACC championship. And we'll talk about this Thursday. I don't think that's going to be an issue of this team focusing on, on the second game. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And we'll talk about that more okay. on, on Thursday to join us. One thing I want to focus – we talked about the offense at Pittsburgh. I want to give a shout-out to the defense and some of the plays they made uh, this past weekend. The defense – has been dominant this season. They've done their job with the a LSU lot of game, players. With a lot of with players. a lot, like yeah, they played a lot of you know. And, and random Twitter folks have said Florida State's only playing transfers. They don't play freshmen stuff like that. We Doesn't matter. True. They Doesn't play a matter. lot of players. They play right. go deep, and a lot of players make plays on this defense. Uh, so a couple of the plays, as you see here, Kalen Deloach making play. Oh, the guy's fast! The missile fast. How many missile. times have you seen him make this play on the blitz, which is great? On the next play, you see uh, Fisk finally get home. This guy has made so many big plays as well, pushing the pocket. And this is why you brought this guy in. I expect him to see do this on Saturday again. This guy's made so many. This big guy's plays a the monster. Defense. I uh, wish so, he was. Yeah, uh, and he's done after this season, correct? I believe so. But this is no. This you is know what? I don't think he's coming back. If he can come back, I, I'm not sure on it. But I, I wouldn't expect him back. But Boy. you will have Daryl Jackson next season, which is why you should be excited. But that's why you brought him in to do things like that. Kaylor Loach, you expect that from him now because he's so explosive, such a playmaker. So I want to give a shout-out to the defense for what they've done and continue to do. So when your offense started a little bit slow this past Saturday, the defense held it down to let your offense get back in rhythm and then put up 500 yards of offense and, and do the rest. So shout-out again to the defense from Conrad Hussey to getting – you got that pick to – you know, Fentrell in that, you know, we know that one play where things got a little out of sorts with they got beat deep, but Fentrell went in there and stripped it right at the goal line. Unbelievable. That, that is know. a example of not quitting on the ball. You get beat, things break down the back end. You go in there and you strip the ball because that could have been 14-0. That, that could have been scary for a second, right? You go down 14-0 on the road, that spells an upset because we talked about the only way you get upset in a game like that is if you beat yourself on turnovers and broken coverages. Well, he went in there. There was a broken coverage. 
He hustled his ass down. He stripped them all the goal line, turned the field over again. And then you go and you come back. You don't let them score the rest of the game. So shout out to him. Shout out to the defense for hustling every play, even when you get beat. And, and turn that game back around. So really credit to them. That just shows the type of team this is. They don't pout. They don't, you know, even things aren't going their way. They do finish. They focus. They respond. And, and that's that. that's a statement and a credit. Well, to yeah, uh, hats off to Adam Fuller and crew and, and all the players on the defensive side, as you've just summarized. Uh, I, I, I like watching the defense. I really do, because you eventually win with defense. I mean, that's a common theme. I'm not making anything new there. But this defense has finally started to come together, that they are an angry bunch and they don't like being scored on. They don't like giving up plays and touchdowns. And I think that's a good thing. That's, that's some of the best Florida State defensive we ever had, that they were didn't want to give up points. When, when the game is out of hand and the backups go in, that they, they put pressure on them. Don't give up any points. And that's what it should be. You know, so I'm very happy with the way this has come. And we are playing a lot of players. That also helps with recruitment that, you know what, you're going to get a chance to play too when you're ready to get on the field. Very good. Very happy with that. So this team seems to be peaking at the right times and with the tests ahead. Yeah. And as you really said, it wasn't Cypress who got beat on that play. Like we were kind of saying is, is that Husty kind of, there's a miscommunication there with the freshman, obviously, when you're playing freshman, things like that are going to happen. But Cypress went there, he made the, you know, hustle down, stripped the ball and you turn around. So senior, you know, these more veteran guys taking care of the younger guys. So yeah, to your credit, you know, great plays by them. And, and to your point, everything you just said, one last thing I want to point out is I love the way that uh, Hill plays and the way he runs the football. Uh, on, I think be, we texted each other on this play right here. Um, oh, yeah. ran over the guy in the sideline. He is it was, uh, dude. He, he is he not looking contact. to get out of bounds. No, he yeah. loves contact. Yes. And he embraces it every single time. It's just fun yeah. to watch him with the football in his hands. And I think this offseason, he'll probably get a little, he may even try to get bigger because he's going to take a lot more carries this season Look or at next this season. Guy. He, he loves contact. And next yeah, year, if you're a defensive there. back coming up to hit him, you better know this guy ain't running out of bounds. Yeah. So you better get ready to tackle him. He is going to be a lot of fun to watch in the seasons ahead. He's got a lot of potential, that guy. Uh, so yeah. he, he's going to be a fun one to watch. He's fun to watch now, but when he gets more touches, more carries, yeah. and gets up maybe a little bit bigger, I think he'll probably want to get, you know, he may get a little bit bigger. He's, he's fast. Oh, he'll get, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get bigger. Uh, just like uh, Tiafili got bigger, you know, he, he got bigger too. Uh, now, the one thing that I circled in red, okay, on offense was we had less than 50% on third down conversions. Yep. Again, we've had some problems in the season converting on third downs. And even Mike Norvell, I think in the first quarter, a few of those occurred there. Even Mike Norvell, I could see it on his face. He had some concerns with that, especially against a, a weak pit team. That gives me a, a little concern uh, as we move ahead. How do you feel about that? No, I, I think I think he blamed some of those on, you know, some of those were, I think, on well, 0 for 1, 4th down, 5 of 14 on on third down. So you're six of 15 yeah. on third and fourth down. That's not great. And probably why the score wasn't higher, right? 
the score probably could have been a lot higher if you convert that higher percentage, obviously. And nationally, um, nationally, we don't rank high in those yeah. third down conversions. And that's where you have to get better. And that's how you turn good scores or, or great good performances into great or elite performances is clean those up. And I think he acknowledges your point that that's a lot of that's on him. Some of these play calls, you scratch your head in light, in light and say to yourself, why do we make these so, so complicated? And some of it may be he's trying to set up other plays later in the game. Some of it may be personnel decisions or what he's seen on the field. And then you have some of these trick plays that I think he acknowledged in one of the press conferences were like, I thought it would work. That's why I called it. And they just didn't work on the field. So I, I think it's a mixture of he, he's testing things. He sees what's on the field. Um, it, it's what he's, you know, he thinks will actually work based on what's being called in the field. And, and then he's potentially setting up things later in the field. You know, I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not going to get into the mind of Mike Ravel because I do think he's a great play caller and you see, how the play time works, the deeper you get into the game. The, the team, the offense gets better and better as the game goes on. You know, you see the runs breaking through. You see the passes getting better. You see the yardage increase as the game goes on because I think those plays are being set up for things later in the game. You know, you saw, you know, the trick play with Biscuit later in the game. That was set up. That was a, that was a play call they called against Oklahoma many, many games back, and that was all kind of being set up. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to – I don't like to question Mark Novell because he's a lot – much smarter man than I am offensively and, and just in college football. But I think sometimes the plays just – for the situations, they seem overly complicated. Like, right, you, you need your third and three or your you know, fourth and one. Can we not win at the line of scrimmage and just run forward? Can we not just? Well, he may. Yard? You know what? You know what, KB? He may be thinking we can't because that is my greatest concern with this football team. I think it's the weakest area, and it is for many football teams. It's that offensive line play. And he, in his head, he won't admit to it, but he may know this is still not the that the strongest asset this football team has and that he has to mix that up for, you know, for future third downs a little bit. So I I think that could be a little bit of it. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Because like you would say, I I don't think this is an elite offensive line. I don't think it's a great offensive line. I think it's a good. good, There is no offensive lineman on this team that will likely be drafted above above the sixth, seventh round, if that, most of them would be free agents, signed free agents going in as practice fodder. I'm just being honest. Maybe I don't I don't see that. Who Our guy last year, uh, what's his name, uh, Gibbons, he won certain awards and everything. He got a short-term trial with the Indianapolis uh, Colts because he knew some coach there, and he wasn't there long. That We don't have those elite linemen. Now, one of the other things that you said was this, okay? You said uh, about uh, Mike Norvell, play calling. Are you saying to everybody Mike Norvell is making the calls and Atkins really doesn't make any calls? I, so maybe That's I, what you're saying. I'm I asking you. I honestly don't know. And if anyone else out there Who's knows, making the play calls? I hear it both ways on Twitter. And once again, Twitter shouldn't be I don't, the source of truth. But I hear it both ways. I hear sometimes South Atkins call on it. And then sometimes when it starts slow, that's when Mike Norman no takes way. over. No way. There's so one guy knows. calling the plays. Listen, and, you know, this is another thing. Our inside media guys don't know who the hell's calling to play. I, You know, there's no doubt in my mind, I don't know this. I have no evidence to this. So let me make that sure. If you tell me Alex Atkins is making the play calls during all these games, I will be stunned. Okay, I believe 
He's a, the offensive coordinator in a new realm, not like we think it is, where the guy's running around with the play sheets or he's up top calling the plays. I don't think that's his role on his football team. Yeah, I don't see Norvell with a play sheet either. So I don't know who the hell's calling. It's got to be a guy upstairs calling the plays. You don't call plays off the top of your head without some kind of sheet. Do you see Norvell with a sheet? No. Do you see Alex Atkins? They don't even show him. So maybe he has a sheet. Insider challenge. Who the hell's calling the plays? Well, because that seems to be in the chat that it's Norvell. Once again, I would I kind of think that way. But I don't have evidence. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert that knows the insider. Well, we're not. We don't. I'm asking a question. I don't. But I can't answer your question with truth. Why doesn't somebody with media credentials in a meeting during a practice week, not post game? Practice week. Coach, who calls the plays in the games? Okay, so if Who's got there, the okay. play sheets and checking boxes on? Or if anyone can be on the sidelines, like a guy from Michigan, take a picture of the people with the sheet and let us know and send that to if, us, that'd be great. So if anybody out there it. has the answer to that question, we will put you on this show with us to discuss that in the coming in next week. How about that? There if you, you know the true answer and have evidence to that. There you go. But back, just to close up on the offensive line, I've heard people online say that this line, offensive line has regressed from last season. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't think I don't that's think true. true. I think I it's the fact that it was, this line was overhyped coming into this season. There was expectations that this right. line would get right. a lot better than last season, so people right. think it's regressed. No, I think it's the same line quality as last season right the expectations were just higher because the media was telling feeding you that it's going to be so much better we're going to be uh, dominating yeah. we're going to be you know rushing for 175 yards per game da, da, da. I, I i think it's the same quality of line you're just, you were just fed more you know you're fed these lines that it was going to get so much better i think it's the same quality of line it's just you know it was a little yeah. bit over hype coming to the season so i think i, like I, said, I think it's good I just don't think it's great, great plus. Or right. I, I, I agree with you totally. I don't think it's regressed. It might have gotten a little degree better, but it gives me chills when I see Travis go back. And, and, and I don't think – I don't know who we consider to be the best defensive we've played this year so far. Clemson? Uh, who? Uh, LSU and Clemson. No, LSU has one of the worst defenses. Okay, okay, Clemson then. <laughs> Clemson. Uh, Who else would it be? Ah, uh, Duke. Duke and Clemson. Duke, Duke Clemson, and LSU. Okay. No, so, LSU does not have one of the best. Okay. All right. Well, Duke, and okay. Clemson, Duke, Duke and Clemson. They're not even ranked anymore in the top twenty. Okay, so uh, that I'm aware, maybe Clemson got in there. I don't know. No, they're but, not. But okay. But it, that gives me some concern with our offensive line. I would think when I th- sense domination of an offensive line, I just don't see that. I mean, I'm you just, just five hundred yards of offense. Like it's. I know that's the argument. That that's that's the argument. Okay, but I still get chills. That <laughs> offensive line, our offensive line, will be the tail of the rest of this season. All right, back to your, well, one more thing on your Coach Marvell without a play call sheet. 
Riley says Norvell doesn't need a sheet to call uh, sheet to call plays he created. Musicians don't need sheet music to play. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Look, okay, I got it. Thank you, B. Riley, but you're not gonna get on the show with that. <laughs> <laughs> and Hypnotic says, tell Ira Accord to ask the question. Maybe you should donate five hundred dollars and they'll ask the question. Hey, hey, listen. If you ever read my tweets, <laughs> Hypnotic, if you read my <laughs> tweets and what we talk about on this program, whether it's Ira, Corey or anyone else that covers Florida State, and there's a lot of people out there, you know what? Anybody who has media credentials should ask that question. I think our guys are afraid. Ask them to ask it. I've asked them. I've asked them. Wait a minute. These guys have been doing this for how many years? 20 years on War Chant? And I have to ask them to ask a question. That is insulting that I'd have to do that. You've probably been blocked. But you know what? Give me credentials, and I'll ask some very professional (laughs) questions. All right. All right. Unless people out there say my questions aren't professional. He said Aslan will do it. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) He just pushes buzzers and put your name on the column. Here, you send me 50 bucks. I'll put your name on this glass right here. I'll send you an autographed picture of myself for 50 bucks. And we do have super chats. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up. So as a reminder, on on, uh, Thursday, we will be planning to do our our, uh, Hurricane preview show. We'll uh, Mm -hmm. do a breakdown of the matchups and positions, what we think will happen. I'm going to the game. Yeah, and the old man will be there. So you guys will have to uh, chat in with some tips of how he – can prevent being stabbed in the parking lot. So please <laughs> tune in so you can give him those expert tips, where to go for food, tailgate, whatever. I will not be there. So please chat in with that uh, so you can give him those tips. So join us on Thursday, probably around 8 p.m. We'll be scheduling that. Um, so join us live. If you haven't already, like, subscribe to the video. We really appreciate it, you guys. The chat's been awesome tonight. Uh, we Wait, I got to add one uh, thing. One more thing. One more Do thing. Do not go to the CVS closest to the stadium. That's my bathroom. I don't want any of you clowns in there because I want a nice, clean bathroom when I get there. Oh, and also, he's going to destroy it when he uh, gets business. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, join us on Thursday. Bring your tips, tricks for Tallahassee for the old man so he can stay alive pre and post game. And we appreciate y'all. Have a great weekend. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you Thursday. As always, go Knowles. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.